Uh, today I'm joined by Ajani Salmon, who is a British Jamaican filmmaker and a star and creator of Dreamin' Whilst Black, which is a semi-autobiography and story of a British Jamaican filmmaker struggling to navigate between his dreams and reality in London. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm blessed. Yo. How are you? I'm fine. So where are you tuning in from? Are you in London right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in London in the moment. Pandemic, you know what I mean? I can't. <laughs> right. I so are you in London proper? Or are you in like the suburbs? Or uh, in the well, who, who? it depends on how you call London, London, because okay. I, I don't know who affords to live in <laughs> London, London. Like yeah, that. that's so you're not in Shoreditch right now? No. No, no. <laughs> okay. No. I, I, I can't afford to live in, the, in London, London. Okay, gotcha. So I don't know if you remember, but we met in 2018 um, in Paris at a viewing for the show, uh, which was just on YouTube at the time. Yep. Fast forward three years later, and you're on the BBC. Uh, congrats. Uh, how did you make that leap from YouTube to the BBC? Uh, uh, boy, just shopping around the show to every and everybody. As I said, we're in Paris. Um, no, but it was very much a lot of, well, I got signed, which was very helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and But it was just meeting up with getting optioned by a production company, Big Deal Films, and them really taking the reins and pushing it to broadcasters. And right. they also kind of like presented it to the BBC and said, look, this is the next big thing on YouTube. You should probably take it. And right. It Which they've given us the pilot. So here we are now. <clears throat> yeah, congrats. And uh, could you explain the significance of the BBC to say maybe Americans or others who are unfamiliar with the network. I know about the network and I know how much of a big deal it is, but can you explain, you know, uh, what the BBC is? It's funny because in America, like, because you guys are public broadcasters as well. Like, it's PBS. We, PBS yeah, PBS, but unless you're uh, a little kid watching Sesame Street or an old person watching, you know, uh, some type of super special news documentary, then no one really sits around watching PBS. But yeah, people so actually it, sit around I watching PBS. I was about BBC. to say, the interesting yeah. thing is, is BBC is arguably the equivalent of, like, our HBO. So okay. like the most expensive shows are BBC shows. Right. So, and which is probably why like I made a show you was like BBC HBO. Like a lot of shows are are co-pros with BBC and like an American network because it is our like premium um it is our premium network in the in the country. Right. So speaking of HBO uh and making a, a comparison so you're like the the British Mel Issa Rae, if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I can only aspire to be. I can only aspire to be. Who knows? Maybe we'll get an HBO co-pro. Right. Boom. And then we'll be sitting in that space. But um, that is on it. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah, I, I definitely see it happening. And you know, I watching your journey has been so inspiring. As I just mentioned, you know, I, I met you in like some random Paris cafe uh, yeah, watching the yeah. series. And to see this leap that you made 
you're like a real example to me that anything is possible. You know, you hear these stories, but you know, you're actually a real example uh, to me that that it's, it's actually possible. So I'm super excited for you. And I think you, you really can be on Issa Rae's level. I, I think that that's, that's definitely in your future. That's what we're pushing to do. <laughs> um, so we were just talking about the differences between um, networks in the U.S. and in and, um, the U.K. And you mentioned PBS. Uh, so you're familiar with it. Have you ever been to the States? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, who doesn't try to go to America at some point? So, mm-hmm. funny enough, I went to New York Film Academy for like a summer course that they did. So okay. I was in for like three months in like 2015, living. But I mean, I've been in and out. Like, obviously, if I go to film festivals, like I've been to America for film festivals. I've been, I mean, yeah, because remember from Jamaica, Jamaica close. Like, right. So I have been, yeah, I have been a few times. So I'm aware of, like, I guess some of the networks and how the system kind of runs there. So you were in New York and, and where else? Uh, I've been, uh, I mean, I've been to LA, I've been to Miami, I've been to Atlanta, I've been, like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, travel. <laughs> I, I'm from Philly. Have you been to Philly? I have been to Philly. Black Star Film Festival. Oh, yeah. They at Black Star. I went for Black Star Film Festival in twenty fifteen, I think. And honestly, that was one. Philly is actually just a crazy place. Like, because actually, it. funny enough, funny enough, I went to Philly when Drake and Meat Mill had the beef. Oh, and okay. Drake did not back to back, and I was like, raw. And it was Beer Man who was like, raw, but. Jake should kind of hard still. So I I know you weren't riding around playing it. You you made you made no, an no, effort no, to like no, not no, play no, that. No, no, <laughs> but it was not. It was great. It was I even just learned actually that like the north and the south and all that stuff. But yeah. not that the festival was like eye opening for me just to see like this hub of like black creativity and and just this liberated safe space of people yeah. just and doing them thing I was like it was it was a great experience and I had a Philly cheek blood wow literally as I landed I was staying with a friend of mine's older brother who I don't really know mm-hmm. like that but he was just seen obviously it's my good mate's brother as soon as he picked me up he was like yo you hungry I was like yeah he's like all right cool drive to this place now and I'm looking at the menu he's like yo yo no worry I got you he's like give me the special and I didn't even know where I'm at or something. And when I bit into that thing, I would, like, my mind mm-hmm. never understand what happened. Like, <laughs> like, what is this, bro? <laughs> Heaven or Earth. Yo, so yeah, no, no, no. Philly's, yeah, I love Philly. <laughs> that, that's what's up. Um, I, I'm guessing you didn't taste any Jamaican food there. Do you actually uh, eat Jamaican food in other places, or is it that like too cliche? And you might be offended. Nah, you know what? Funny enough, so there I did, but only from so my friend's older brother is okay. a chef. Okay. So I would go to his restaurant in the evenings and eat, and obviously in my yard, man. So it's proper, but it's funny. Sometimes I eat like I do eat Jamaican food in foreign places because sometimes it, it's like it feels like home. It's like that one thing that feels familiar. Right. Because so like, when I feel homesick, I might order like Caribbean takeaway just to to get just to get something. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I asked because um, I grew up eating lots of Jamaican food. Uh, where I'm from in Philly, uh, Southwest Philly, uh, there's a lot of Jamaicans and uh, we have some of the best Jamaican food um, in a city. And so I, I definitely grew up on jerk chicken and all that. And so uh, I was just wondering, you know, does a, a real Jamaican person, is that something that you would eat when you travel? Because if I went somewhere and they advertise a cheesesteak, before I even taste it, I I just won't believe it. You know, I'm like, nah, no, it's, it's, it's not real. Unless maybe the person is from Philly, but. You know yeah. what? That's true, though, because I won't, I know, like, remember a couple of years back, I saw there was a, there's like a pop-up, you know, these food stalls. Mm-hmm. A food stall that was like, Philly cheesesteak. And I was like, ah, yeah. And I was so pissed off. I was like, bro, whatever this is you're doing is a scam. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, disrespect the thing. So, but yeah, no, but even in terms of Jamaican restaurants, like, we're very peculiar. Like, yeah. if, if Mogode and them too polite or if it's not, like, my perceive in at the back, like, who's cooking? If that's not a, a, a yard man, like, fresh, if, if they're not fresh, I'm not either. You need for fresh, still, Raw patois, you know, business, you know, <laughs> that's what we need for Trust me, Caribbean restaurant. What? So you were born in Jamaica, right? So I was actually, I was born in England, actually. I moved oh, to you were born in England. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when you were five. Okay. Yeah. And and which part of Jamaica did you uh, move to? Uh, Montego Bay. Montego Bay. So that's like the tour. It's like the tourist, the tourist part. But it's nice. Beaches, all of them things there. It was a vibe. I haven't been to Jamaica yet. Uh, it's actually on my bucket list, and I'm trying to get there this summer. So, you know, we'll have to connect about that so you can uh, give me the hookups. And uh, I-, I asked about whether you were born in Jamaica or not, because I, I noticed that you're referred to as a-, a British Jamaican filmmaker. So I was wondering, you know, would it be backwards if you were born in Jamaica? Would you... Would you prefer to be labeled as Jamaican British or is British Jamaican? Is that how you want to be referred to? For, for, it's funny you should ask that question, actually, because I don't think they say Jamaican British for whatever reason. British always come first. But I do see myself as a Jamaican um, because it was where I was raised. It was where, like, in terms of my mannerisms, my thought process, my, my language mm-hmm. is much Jamaican so I would see myself as Jamaican first and British by I would see myself as Jamaican by culture and heritage British by passport like you know what I mean yeah I can't help that I entered the world in this country but in terms of the culture that raised me or the culture I was brought up in was Jamaican Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you could have uh, been born and raised in the UK and, and still have come to the same conclusion about your identity. Um, I've, I've actually been learning a lot about uh, British people, uh, more specifically, you know, Black British people and the different identities there. And I learned about BAME. Um, and so in America and I guess everywhere else outside of America too, like now the new phrase, uh, is people of color. BIPOC. So, 
is that is that what they say in America? POC, yeah. Yeah, so the the BIPOC or whatever is uh black indigenous people of color and then there's regular POC or POC people yeah. of color. And so in the UK in the UK, you guys have Bane, which is um black and Asian uh and other um ethnic yeah, minorities. Asian, yeah, black Asian and minority right. Right. So are people really walking around identifying themselves saying, you know, I'm a BAME and no, this is how no, we feel? That's, that's just the thing. Nobody actually says they're BAME. People uh-huh. say they're Black. The Asian people say them Asian. Right. The, 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 yeah, whoever else who's an ME, whatever the ME is, whether they're Samoan or yeah. they're Mexican or they're Latinx, or like people identify as their own things. So, yeah. That is, it's the government who has, you know, created this term to lump all of us together to, I guess. Right. So that's their way of, or that's the government, the government's uh, way of feeling better about itself and saying, you know, uh, hey, people who we colonized, uh, we're just going to (laughs) say, dear Bame. Yeah, it's it's their way of ticking all the diversity boxes all in one, lump us all into one group and solve the issues there. That's speaking the of speaking of color, uh, Dreaming Wilds Black focuses on the black experience um, in a non-black country such as the UK. Uh, did you think much about race growing up in Jamaica? Uh, did you think about the fact that you were a black man or, or you just thought about the fact that you were Jamaican and you didn't really necessarily connect the two? No, not at all. Um, not at all. I didn't think about I was in Jamaica, everybody's Jamaican, and even our motto, our national motto is out of many one people. It's because Jamaica's obviously a collection of different forms of either slaves or indigenous or in um indentured servants mm-hmm. in the country. So all of us were brought there for whatever reason. So yeah, I never really t- obviously I know about black, like obviously reggae music and everything black but it's funny, I would say blackness as a blackness for me never tie into any form of like oppression. Mm. It never mean that. It just means this are the color of the skin, love your black skin, love your black queen, big up your black king. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's where it was at for me, where it was when I came to England that black and it's obviously it's not like we don't know you understand like obviously we see we watch news everybody see what's going on in america and everybody see what's going on in england and europe and everything but you know the prime minister's black right the, black, the police we have police brutality but it's, the police are also black like you know what i mean like so even converse even though a lot of jamaican's issues are actually um the derivatives of colonial and racial rule, the conversation in Jamaica isn't centered around race because everyone is black, right? But it's just gotten to the point that we've inherited an imperialist system and a class system, but everybody in it is black. So it's almost like we still have the same oppressive structures, mm-hmm. but it's now black people are oppressed black people. So when we have in the conversation, we don't, general at my level growing up it's not equated to a racist issue because it's a black person who in government under the under the fuckery you know what i mean 
Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Um, being raised in the States, you know, my experience has been the opposite. Uh, I jump for joy when I see Black people in certain positions because that's not something that I'm used to. Uh, so what did you think about um, Black Panther? Did you think that, yeah, the, the film, did you, did that, was it kind of weird to you to see this like Black utopian place and you're like, hello, have you ever heard of Jamaica or you know, Ghana, <laughs> like where everybody has always been Black, the president has always been Black? I, you know what, yeah, um, man, America has such a complicated history. Because I would say, first off, difference between like look, Jamaica and slavery. Matter of fact, Jamaica was a was a breaking ground for slaves. So when you travel them, when you when you thief them in West Africa, you carry them go Jamaica first, break them down into submission, and then send them off to America as good Negroes, so to speak. But I would say the difference between Jamaica and America or the Caribbean. And America is that after slavery, because we were the majority on the island, slowly through being a colony, we were managed to galvanize and say, actually, we want a country back. Go, like, leave, leave us alone. Like, let us just do our thing. Whereas America was just like, okay. Slavery's done, but you still live here. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and if you if you just kept your slave, like the slave master is unfortunately still your neighbor. Like, and then that just, you know, generations pass and you have Jim Crow and all this, you know, school to prison pipeline. It's just. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's madness. Pure madness. But, but when I saw Black Panther, because obviously, it's, um, look, I don't even think, it's funny, it's funny the importance that people equate to it, because for me, obviously, it's a Marvel movie. I'm just seeing this as, oh, man, I didn't, to be honest, we're not even in a comic book like that. So when I was like, oh, man, they have a Black, mom, a Black Panther, you know, they say, okay, cool, sick. Like, it's just a thing, you know what I'm saying? But, but when I saw how Black people came out, I was like, rah. This is like for me. It's just you know superhero movie, whatever. Yes, it would be nice to see. It's nice to see a black superhero, but the triumph of not only having, I think it was not only just the film. Because let's be clear, what's it called? Hitch? No, Hancock. Hancock. Yeah, we'll go see that. Right? Will is Will So it's not the first time we see a black superhero. There was Blade, as well. Blade is technically a Marvel superhero as well, which is actually mm -hmm. their first Marvel movie. Um, and even the one with Shaq. Remember that? Um, was that, um, is that Space Jam or am I like... No, there was... That's a, Michael Jordan. Um, a superhero film with Shaq, where he was in... Um, oh, man. I don't know if I'm showing up my age by even saying this. Like... Yeah, that's off of my radar. I can't even think of what it is. I can only think about Space Jam with Jordan. Um, I can't think oh, it of was it. called Steel. That was the film. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. So you see what I'm saying? So for me, it wasn't like, oh, they never been a black superhero film. Right. I, I remember watching Steel. And there's even an older one as well. I can't remember that name. Um, but 
I guess it was the fact that Ryan Coogler directed it. He was a black black director, black writer, black heads of departments. The 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 weaving of the narrative away from and like an American context, actually there's this black utopia, so to speak, was really interesting. And it's funny because actually it's funny like Brian Kugler did a very interesting thing with that film where when I was watching it and I was kind of like, uh, but kinda agree with Killmonger. Like, how did you man just watch slavery and a bugger things happen and just never do nothing? Right. That's a bit mad. But then on the second hand, when the end of the film comes and he's like, yo, I'm gonna open up, I'm gonna tell America. So I was like, no, that ain't the solution, bro. <laughs> Go tell these men that you have the things. Like, it's yeah. away the thing. Like, I'm like, go to Kenya first. Don't go all the way to America. Like, help Kenya. But, um, yeah, man, that was, it was, hey, look, it was good to see a black story not centered on, like, against white people. It was like, you know, just black people existing within their own world. And seeing it on such a large scale, because I think the budget was like, what, them, like some like 100 million or something dumb like that. Yeah. It was great to see a black story given that much resources to just exist. So, yeah, it was it was great to see, and it, it made this money because, yeah, it was a good time. So, Dreaming While Was Black is obviously um, a black show. Uh, one of your teachers in film school advised you to be careful about what you write about uh, black people because you were the only black student in the class and therefore would be like the expert on black issues. <laughs> uh, do you feel um, unfairly burdened by the need to be the accurate voice of black people? Does that hinder your creative process? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say it hinders my creative process, but I do think that black artists in the West have a particular burden because we don't get opportunities as often. So for instance, to compare us to like, even forget white people, Jamaica. There are loads of young filmmakers coming up in Jamaica, making work. Some work is not really positive about Jamaica are conducive to Jamaican society. But it's fine because we have tons of people making films in Jamaica. So we get the good ones. And when the good ones are good, we're like, yay. And when the bad ones are bad, we don't we don't place the burden on them to say, oh, you're you're misrepresenting us. Because we watched that other good thing yesterday. You know? Whereas because we don't have that many opportunities here to make that much work each time someone has an outing it's almost like you gotta get it right right like, let's be clear ryan coogler ryan coogler yeah had a massive pressure with black panther because it was like bruv if you get this right you will open the doors for us but if you fumble this they'll be like see we gave you a chance. You're not ready. And you're not going to say a next black man gets a film for like the next five years. You know what I mean? It's that pressure of like, if you don't succeed, you it's almost like it feels mm-hmm. like if you don't succeed, you've set us back. Yeah. Right? 
or because and from an audience perspective, if if we don't if I don't get it right, because there ain't that many shows, black people be like, nah, man, like you exed us, you know, you didn't do us, you did us dirty. Yeah. And it simply be like that's just where I'm at in my growth as an artist, and unfortunately, I'm not there yet, but. We don't have the freedom to kind of just be shit until we're not. Like, because we're we don't get that many opportunities, you know. Right. So um Dreaming While it's Black, uh, the, the title itself is heavy. And if you read the description for the show, it, it sounds kind of serious um by um indicating how is this uh filmmaker you know struggling between dreams and reality but in fact the show is is actually lighthearted is um part comedy and you highlight some of the stereotypes that uh whites have about blacks uh and, and, and about jamaicans as well um are white people in the uk that naive <laughs> or is that just something that you uh, you know, did in the show to to really make light of the issue, or are people really asking their black coworkers about the color purple? Ha! <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I would say this: we don't make up racist jokes. Let's just say that. Yeah. Whether it's me. <laughs> or whether it's a friend of mine, or whether it's a white colleague who heard it. But generally, what we do is just take amalgamation of madness that we've heard and mm -hmm. we it into a three-act structure. Another thing that I noticed that you were very intentional about in the show uh, yeah. was um, Black love, and more specifically, okay. uh, dark-skinned dark, dark skin Black love. Uh, you're yeah. the, the main actor, and obviously you're dark-skinned, uh, but your love interest is a dark-skinned uh, Black woman, and I've heard you speak about that fact that, you know, that's something that you wanted to do intentionally. Why was that important? Man, representation, as I said, not only representation, but, like, not it's it's funny because I don't even want the representation. I want the authenticity. Like when you really deep Viola Davis' career and see how many times, how many times has she been a love interest? You know, or but when you deep, even that wave. Remember, I, I don't know how old you, how old you are, so I don't know if I'm just revealing myself here. I'm mid thirties. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, yeah cool. So. You know that era of like love and basketball, the mm -hmm. Batman, Stella got her groove back, all yeah. of them films. When you actually beat the women who are the love, Mia Long, Regina, you know, all of them babes. When you actually beat it, you're like, wait, hold on a second. How many of these women are, are dark skinned women? They're all attractive women, but how many of these women are all dark skinned? And then when you look at Halle Berry, Tandy Newton, Zoe Saldana, you know, you can go on and on and on and on and on and on. And actually, I don't know if I can list five dark-skinned women who have been loved interests like that. Yeah. But my mother is dark-skinned and she had me, so clearly somebody saw her as a love interest. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not seeing it in, in like, and then you look on, you know, music and music videos and 
footballers and superstars and you know all, and i just feel like but the reality the re, what is represented in the media and what is reality isn't the same like loads of my partners have been dark skin but if you take the statistic of how many of my previous partners have been dark skin to how many dark skin love interests there are on tv you'd believe you'd watch tv and believe that black man only talk to light skin girl based on tv so and that obviously goes into perception of beauty and you know racist standards of beauty and all of that stuff so for me it was more just about being authentic and being intentional to say you're actually in real life dark skin women are love interests so it's just important for me to show that and say actually this is real life like because we had to check ourselves as well in the sense of obviously you go for the most talented person mm-hmm. but we did do and Barbarie is phenomenal in in the pilot um and just a phenomenal actress and person in general but it was also like actually if we just go for models or dark-skinned women who look like Naomi Campbell, mm-hmm. what are we representative of society? Right. And a whole heap of Naomi Campbell out there as either. So, yeah, man, it's just about being intentional, about being authentic. I think that's really what, what it was about for me. Well, I definitely can speak on behalf of Black women and say that I appreciate that. And uh, I I think a lot of other Black women um, are going to appreciate that fact. Uh, I'm not sure if you're on Clubhouse. Are you on Clubhouse? I I, I had to get an account because of this one talk, but men are really engaged. Okay. Well, I asked because... um, I'm on Clubhouse and there have been some rooms in which uh, there have been some black women from the UK uh, speaking about interracial dating and how uh, black men in the UK, uh, they only want, you know, white women or or light skinned black women. And so now in in response the black women are saying, well, I'm going to get me a white man. I'm going to divest from black men. So I'm like, wow, is it really that bad in the UK? You know what's so fascinating? And we looked into this the other day. Let's Google it. Because mm. you can get the stats of everything. And actually, but again, remember, we just spoke about media. Yeah. Black men marry black women. Like, data. This is like, and fair enough, it's marriages. Because obviously that, no, I think they did marriages and cohabitating in a household. Got you. So like just relationship will live together. Um, but most, and it was something mad, like 80, 80-odd percent. Right. And I was thinking, okay, so actually, we are projecting the false narrative as well. Yeah. No, I'm not going to say that if you look at the footballers and you look at the, you know, certain celebrities you're not going to get a certain image. Or if you look at the politicians, you know, you're know you going to get a particular image. But if you look at the day-to-day, like if you look at my virgins, you will see the opposite. So I think it's a very interesting... Well, I mean, I'm, I'm married to a black man, so I can confirm that. And, uh, oh. you know, when I, when I hear that, or I hear women talk about their experience... 
uh, I, I don't want to um, negate the next person's experience. We all have different realities, but speaking for myself, uh, I've never had a problem attracting black men. And I've, I've definitely seen a lot of black men date and marry black women. But I, I do agree that sometimes, you know, some some black men need to step out, outside of the black. It, it definitely um you know, it's about the need for representation, as you said. Like you have um, people live in different realities, uh, which is in fact reality, and that's each mm-hmm. individual's reality. And then you have what you see in the media, which is is fiction. You know, it, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the truth. Really speaking about the the need for representation and being authentic, uh, that made me think about. Um, uh, some criticism that's been said about uh, British actors taking Black American jobs or acting as Black <sighs> Americans in films. Uh, because is that really authentic? Is uh, Damson Idris, you know, playing this drug kingpin from South Central LA? Is that authentic? So what do you think um, about that? Do you have okay. a, and I guess you're, I don't know if you're going to be biased, but I, I love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Here's one thing I would say. It is acting. <laughs> so there's that where it's like, actually, if it was a white actor blacking up to play somebody from, to play a black man, then may I be like, why don't you just cast a black person? But I think to the vein of, of all black British people being cast in black American people, I would ask then why didn't you cast Kenyans and East Africans to be in Black Panther? Why did you cast Morgan Freeman to be a South African? What like I don't know what do we do it all the time? Why did we cast why did we cast Morris um Forrest Whit Forrest Whitaker, I think it is? Was mm-hmm. it Forrest Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker. Was Idi Amin in The Last King of Scotland? Like we can like I just feel like the people who have that conversation don't actually interest themselves in the conversation when it goes the other way around. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, cool. You have a problem with with British people being African-Americans. Do you also have the same problem when African-Americans play Africans? Or is it just when we come over to your thing? Well, uh, all right. So let me let me speak to why I think uh, some people have this issue. See, the thing is, and about our experience as black Americans in America, um, we are or black Americans are striving for identity and striving for something that's only ours. Uh, we're, first of all, we don't really know, you know, who we are, where we come from, other than the fact that we, we do have African heritage, but it it basically stops at that. Uh, so we want to be treated special for that reason. And then we have others, or there are situations in which you have, you know, some, I guess, real African Americans or Nigerians who move to America. And then all of a sudden they're lumped in the same category as us. When we want to be, we want to be treated differently. We want to be treated, you know, uh, uniquely for our experiences. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, one of the reasons why we want to be treated differently is because of the discrimination that we face historically for who we are. So we feel that it's not fair 
that people are able to just land on American soil and automatically or immediately begin um, reaping benefits that were made specifically for us uh, due to our backgrounds and our history when they've not, never necessarily had those experiences. So with film, uh, some people see that as a, another slap in the face and say, well, damn, you know, um, I'm not good enough to be a, a black American or a black person and, and make my way in Silicon Valley as an engineer or a lawyer in the legal industry. Uh, now I can't even play people who are me or uh, play a, a role that's um, made for somebody like me, you got to go get a black person with an accent or, or somebody else. It, it just makes black Americans feel like we're not good enough that um, somebody else always has to kind of get the upper hand over us. I, I think that's really um, where that criticism comes from. And to uh, answer your question about uh, how come uh, Black Americans uh, or Black directors don't necessarily seek um, uh, Africans or non-Black Americans to play roles that were designed for them? I think that maybe it comes down to uh, location. So if you're making a film uh, in America, uh, I guess at least they do have that excuse that you're just grabbing, you know, local black Americans to but fill their that, role. But Damson, Damson is not from like America. But do you realize how you're making an excuse for when you do it, but not making an excuse for when we do it? Because let's be clear, Damson lives in America, right? No, mm -hmm. when you decided to make when you decided to 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 to, to for example, actually, perfect example, Luke Cage. Yeah. Season two, the whole antagonist gang is Jamaicans. Not one of them is Jamaican. Now, as you know, I'll be a Jamaican there in New York. Like yeah. my, my cousin is an actress. And I remember seeing it, I'd be like, yo, cuz, you never get an audition for that. Like, walk one. So this is what I'm saying again, where I do think I understand. Now, here's, here's one thing I would say. I definitely understand the gripe of feeling that you built an industry like through your hardships and don't want to see your industry move the, removed away from you, either by white people or black people who are not from where you're from. But I would also say that's partially that if you're going to say that, one, you have to say that across board. Don't have Americans being like Will Smith in that film, that film where he was a Nigerian doctor, where he was talking about um, the concussion, concussion, actually disrespectful, his accent. Like he was actually, and I'm not even Nigerian. And I, when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, at least try. At least try some Nigerian. That's the best he could do. Like, you see what I'm saying? So I'm like, if you're going to have that energy, keep that energy, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and is it divide and rule? That's what I'm saying. Where are we now pitting each ourselves against each other in the sense that, yo, like, like, where do we stop and begin with this? Because it can't just stop and start at British people. If we're going to stop, if we're going to start with British people, then we're going to say, actually, Chadwick, you're not from West Eastern Africa. 
But then you're going to say Black Panther is fictional, right? But then we could argue that Star Wars is set in space. So why it can't be John Boyega? It's not set in America. It's set in space. John Boyega, it could be anybody. Yeah. yeah. But also, yeah. So, yeah, there's so many layers to it. And I just think, like, I think it should be an open conversation versus, like, we're taking your jobs. Because we're taking your jobs is very much a divide and rule. It's the same thing that they use in England by saying Black people were taking their jobs. And then all of a sudden, Eastern Europeans are taking their jobs. And everybody is taking British people's jobs. When actually, how about it's budget cuts that's taking your job? How about it's, um, what, do you, what do you call it when you um, put jobs overseas? Outsourcing. To like, uh, yeah, how about it's outsourcing jobs that's taking your jobs? Not us small people who are trying to make our own living that's taking mm. it let's deal with the, the 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 actual issue rather than fighting for the small like fighting for the, the scraps that we have you know what i mean i feel like that's where we need to kind of be head look like i think that's where we should focus versus saying daniel kaluuya can't be have you seen the film uh which film um, black, black Judas and the Judas. Oh and the yeah, black. definitely. I've saw it. Yeah. Like, instead of saying, and he was great. I mean, he he deserved uh, the Oscar. He was amazing. Uh, Give it to him. Like instead of saying, oh, he shouldn't be doing that. It's like actually the issue is, is there not enough films? That's the issue. So now we're fighting over the that, few. That's things. a great uh, point. That's a great point. Actually, let's focus our energy to saying, listen, we need to make more movies so that more black people can get work, so that all of us can eat, versus fight for the little food right up on the plate. Yeah, you know, I don't have a problem with uh, British actors playing in American roles. I was just acknowledging that, um, you know, that, that can be an issue or some people do have that problem. But uh, British actors are actually uniquely uh, talented because some of them, uh, you wouldn't even know that they were British. I don't know how you guys yeah. shake that accent because yeah. I can't sit here and, and oh talk like the queen. You know, you're going to know that I'm playing, but they can sound like me. And, and I'm, I really think that they're from the block, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what it is? I think that it's, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know because I only know a British accent because I've had to like exist here and being Jamaican just kind of felt like it a work against me. So I learned a British accent to be able to blend in when needed. But I can't tell you how these men ping in and out. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> they deserve an Oscar for that alone. I, I can't be mad at it. <laughs> Um, I noticed uh, when we were emailing to, um, you know, arrange this, I noticed in your email signature that you list your pronouns. Uh, what, what made you do that? Um, I just feel like, because before I was like, well, if you see me, you know. Um, but someone did explain to me that, look, it's just normalizing. It's just normalizing, suggesting like giving someone the pronouns for you to use so that we can normalize it for those who may have pronouns that may not immediately look like the pronouns that they identify with. And so for me, I was like, all right, cool. It's not, I'm not going to say, but I'm a man. It's just like, okay, cool. For those, if this helps normalize 
um, certain protocol which is beneficial for certain marginalized groups, i.e., like you know, the trans community, then why not? It's the least yeah. I can do. When I saw that, I was like, oh, he woke woke. (laughs) 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 He's woke woke. (laughs) So can we expect uh, queer representation and, uh, you know, characters from the the LGBTQ community and shows of yours in the future? Um, You know, it's funny because I think I think a lot about identity politics and Obviously, I'm making a show that touches on race. I think a lot about that. And I don't like when I'm watching a show and them just dashing a black man just because. And clearly, him just get dashing, but him still name Hubert or whatever him name. And I'm just like, guys, guys, you could have kept the show all white. It's not that deep. You know what I mean? But so I don't I don't like representation for representation's sake. So in the same vein, as much as I be, if I'm saying it's a black British experience, even though it's from a heteronormative perspective, I would like at some point for us to explore that, but I don't want to shoehorn it in, if that makes sense. I don't want to be like, oh, you know, we need so we have a black woman, a black man. Now we need a mixed race girl, and now we need like a trans. Yeah, girl. taking now, off the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to do all of that, but it is something which I'm conscious of saying. Okay, cool. Maybe we should, if we're gonna say it's a black British experience, in the same way that I'm intentional about saying, okay, how can we introduce Carib- like black British, but like Caribbean British. Um, characters versus West African, like Nigerian, Ghanaian, you know, Somali, British characters that I should probably think consciously about how can we have someone from the queer community in the show without it being like, check. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It has to still remain authentic. Yeah. See, I told you you were woke, woke. You you get it. Not everyone gets it. You know, I'm sure it took a while to get to this point, but you get it. And maybe it's from your reading. You you read a lot. And actually, you read a book uh, per week while you were creating Dreaming Wild Black, right? Yeah, I did. That's I, heavy. And it was stressful. But it was, it. yo, as I say, the knowledge expands and it keeps expanding. Like right now, I'm reading a book called All About Love by Bell Hooks. And it has stressed me out. Like it's so good and compelling, but the way how it's dismantling my own perception of what I know to be love or perceive as love and like gender and evil, I'm just thinking, God damn, like what is this? Yeah. So I up so far to go, but I think it's really just about being committed to doing the work. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like for women, that's it. I'm sure. I'm sure no man is perfectly feminist, but I'm assuming women choose men who are, have an acceptable level of non-misogynistic views or yeah. are trying to, to be better. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, everybody just out here just needs to... Yeah, yeah. well, my, my perfect um, ideal man... Um, 
he's the type of guy who, you know, opens the door, pays the bills, but, <laughs> you know, it's still respectful. So whatever branch of feminism that falls under, uh, you know, no, that's just cool with me. what you need, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what I'm going to do again. <laughs> However that works. So um, what's next? What can we expect next from you? Um, hopefully some more Dreaming Was Black. So as I've said, it's it's currently a pilot that is on BBC iPlayer. So whenever wherever this comes out, if any British people watch it, watch it. <laughs> like um, but also yeah, so we hope to get the season. But also I have a few more comedies that I'm working on as well, not as issue based as this. Okay. I have funny enough. I have a sitcom based on a Caribbean restaurant, a Jamaican restaurant. Okay, nice. Yeah, so I have a few more, um, a few more shows that I'm writing, which I'm looking forward to showing the world. So, oh, you know what? I almost let you go without asking a very important question that I've been dying to ask you. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Kamala Harris? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Well, it was a pause there. You've been trying to get me in trouble this whole time. <laughs> there you was a pause. For me. You there was a pause. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, here's what I would say. And let me try to think about this because. Come you're on, your publicist preps you for this moment. What are you supposed to say? No, 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 no. I, I was prepped for the other stuff. I wasn't prepped for the, this Kamala Harris business. Um, obviously, it's a monumental step for a black woman to be there, as it was for a black man to be the president. I would say, though, that it is not about a black person being there. It is about what the black person does. So obviously, she just go in office. So I don't, know, I don't know what she's doing or isn't doing yet. I haven't been following American politics like that. But I would say in the same way, like, like take the lesson from former colonies like Jamaica. Jamaica, or as said by Franz Fanon, be mindful of the petty bourgeoisie because if they still hold the values of the colonizer, what you will have is not a liberated people, but the same system just being oppressed by your own, which is a lot of, in a, in a lot of cases, what Jamaica has now, where we still have the same classy structures that England put on us. Mm -hmm. Again, it is great that Kamala Harris is there. She had Jamaican father. Love that. But I would say I don't. I'm more invested in seeing what she does than just the fact that she exists. I think that's the next step. Like representation is cool, but like if a man, if 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 his mate, if his black police are gonna keep killing black people, then we don't really we haven't progressed. You understand? So it's about what she does. So I guess I'm watching like everybody else's to see how she uses the power she has. Right. The lives of everybody in America. 
And what about uh, the consensus back home? Uh, are people back home in Jamaica excited about her, or do they, you know, yeah. feel the same? So listen, Jamaican people claim people who never claim Jamaica, you know. Like, I don't <laughs> a couple of years ago where Jamaicans decided Rihanna was Jamaican <laughs> and just claim her. So, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, obviously, obviously Jamaican love the facts, uh, say, um, a Jamaican abroad being her father could elevate their family to that level. It's amazing to see. So, yeah, yeah. As I said, Jamaican just claim people like, who knows? We may just decide mm -hmm. that this is Jamaican one day and just claim him. And there's nothing anybody else can do. I would just claim him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see uh, what she does. And I feel the same way as you, um, you know. <clears throat> she's she's cool until she's not. That's all I can really say. <laughs> she's cool until she's not. So how can uh, Americans without access to the BBC uh, watch uh, Dreamin' Wilds Black? Oh, man. So the YouTube series is unfortunately because the show is of the same name. Um, we have to unlist the web series. Mm. And it's in certain websites, it'll still be there. Mm -hmm. um, but we're currently, we're hoping to get an American distributor for the show so that um, so that we could have, because again, you know, we, we made this because we want people to watch it. We want black people around the world to watch it. And funny enough, I think Americans would be quite interested in it since you know, because you hear a lot about like some I remember when Samuel L. Jackson said something about you know, black British people have been like sipping tea with white people for how many years? <laughs> like, ah, not quite, right? <laughs> you know, so I do think there is an appetite to see what the black British experience is. Mm -hmm. Are working to try and get some form of distribution in America. So when that time comes, I'll let you know so you can let the man them know. Okay, well, we'll be watching. Um, and again, congratulations on all your success. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more from you in the future. Thank you very much.